You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, see? We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. And if you've been keeping up on the news, you know one of the hot topics, or maybe I should say, well, I guess hot topics... <laughs> Uh, is climate change, right? Uh, President Trump recently made the decision, um, you know, along with a a lot of conservatives, to pull out of the Paris Agreement. And uh, if you know anything about the Paris Agreement, it's around 196 nations who signed an agreement um, agreeing to try to reduce carbon emissions and these sorts of things. And and this just happened very recently. And Trump uh, said that the the U.S. government was shouldering an unfair amount of the burden regarding um, trying to affect the climate and trying to keep the climate down. Uh, there's also all kinds of things in the agreement. Uh, part of it was to reduce uh, the carbon footprint, you know, try to reduce uh, greenhouse gases and so forth. Um, the goal was for countries to aim at keeping warming below two degrees Celsius. Uh, and to limit temperature increases to one and a half degrees Celsius. So um, this is an interesting subject that a lot of people are very passionate about it. You even have people saying that um, if you don't agree with climate change, then uh, you don't deserve to be heard when it comes to scientific issues and things like this. And so I thought I'd bring an expert on the show regarding this issue. My guest today is Dr. Jake Hebert. And he earned a master's degree in physics in 1999 from Texas A&M University. He studied optics. He was a dean's graduate fellow. Uh, He received his PhD in 2011 from the University of Texas at Dallas. His research involved a study of the possible connection between fair weather, atmospheric electricity, and weather and climate. He's the author of The Ice Age and the Flood, Does Science Really Show Millions of Years, and a contributor to Guide to Creation Basics, Creation Basics and Beyond, and Guide to the Universe. So, Dr. Hebert, thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, if you're interested in looking up more about Dr. Hebert, um, you can go to icr.org, and they've got all kinds of stuff. He has uh, a few uh, technical papers also at answersingenesis.org and creation.com. Dr. Hebert, um, you know, this issue, a lot of people are very, very passionate about it. They're concerned that, hey, if we don't uh, handle this issue of climate change, then uh, the world's going to fall apart and we're going to see all kinds of problems arise. Can you um, explain to our listeners why this issue is uh, so controversial? What is it that people think is going to happen, and why do people think that this Paris Agreement was so important, uh, all these nations agreeing to reduce uh, carbon emissions and so forth? Well, uh, scientists have been measuring the amount of atmospheric carbon dioxide since so around 1960, and there's been an increase. I mean, the amount of atmospheric carbon dioxide has gone up. And the reason a lot of people are concerned about that is because that's what you call a greenhouse gas. And when you have light uh, from the sun, uh, 
so some of that radiation comes through, it hits the earth, it warms the earth up, and the earth radiates what we call infrared radiation. Okay, now, uh, why, real quick, why, does, why is carbon dioxide a greenhouse gas? Why is it called okay, a greenhouse well, I'm, gas? I'm getting, yeah, I'm oh, getting to that. Okay, uh, okay. The reason is because uh, it does a very good job of absorbing and emitting that infrared radiation. And so what happens is... Uh, these greenhouse gases, if you will, they, they, uh, they will, you know, that upward infrared radiation coming from the earth, uh, it's absorbed by things like carbon dioxide, uh, water vapor clouds, things like that. And then they radiate it. Some of, and some of that ra- uh, infrared radiation goes back out into space, but some of it goes back down and it gets trapped, if you will. And so there's a warming effect and the concern is, well, if we have too much carbon dioxide, things are going to get out of control. Uh, we will have a runaway greenhouse effect where things get much too warm, and it could lead to some kind of climate catastrophe. And that, that's the concern uh, that a lot of people have. But, but the real issue, though, in this debate is, is not really whether or not uh, increased carbon dioxide would, increase, uh, would cause warming. I don't think anybody disputes uh, that there would be a little bit of warming uh, due to an increase in carbon dioxide if everything else stays the same. Uh, the real issue, the real bone of contention is, uh, will everything stay the same? Is our climate sensitive uh, to an increase in, in the amount of carbon dioxide? Because there's one camp that says if that happens, you're going to have a runaway effect. There will be other factors that exacerbate the warming and contribute contribute to it, what you would call this positive feedback effect, where it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and eventually uh, we're all cooking. But there's another side that says, no, the climate is more stable than that. There are other factors that can mitigate or um, uh, any warming that might occur. And so that's the real that's the real debate over this issue. Okay, is is whether it can be prevented or not? Well, or, or whether or not it's um, – the real issue is how sensitive is our climate uh, to these changes? Is it, is it sensitive enough that we need to worry, or is, it rel- is our climate relatively stable so that, it, so that if this changes, there are other factors that will uh, compensate for any warming that might occur? And that's really the issue. And uh, those of us uh, from the creation position would say that the climate is stable. Uh, God made it that way. Uh, he's built in these feedbacks uh, that can uh, that will keep things from getting out of control. In fact, he's promised us a certain degree of climate stability uh, since the time of the flood. In Genesis, you know, he promised there would be this uh, these cycles, uh, seasonal cycles. They would not stop, and so we expect there to be a certain degree of climate stability uh, because of God's promise. Okay, now, so, so what other um, greenhouse gases are there besides carbon dioxide? Well, there's clouds, uh, water vapor. In fact, you know, uh, water vapor is a big one. Uh, you, know, there, uh, you know, methane, things like that. Um, uh, now, are, you know, that, are, are the people that are arguing that we need to reduce our, our uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions and so forth, are they arguing also against, for example, methane and uh, water in the sky? 
Yeah, well, I don't know about the water part, but <laughs> some of them are worried about methane. I mean, you know, it sounds like a joke. Yeah. Uh, but there are groups that have said we need to worry about cow flatulence. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like there are serious. a lot of they're are, not joking. They're yeah. totally serious. Yeah, I was watching. So a, they uh, are wor- I mean, they are worried about that. You know, that's um, funny. but I think I think it's overblown and. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got some reasons for my own personal research to think that. Yeah, and I want I want our listeners to be able to hear that because uh, you have done quite a bit of research on this and written about it and so forth. Um, I, I saw a cartoon once that was talking about climate change. It was saying that the dinosaurs actually went extinct from their own methane that they uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but people are seriously saying that that uh, the methane, the amount of methane in the air, is actually causing the Earth to warm up, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do you, is there any base? Is there any, in your opinion, is there any truth to that, or is that no? Uh, I, I, well, it is a greenhouse gas, but I would be, you know, I, I, in theory, maybe you know, if you increase the amount of methane, you might have an effect. But I, I would be stunned if if there was something to worry about, or if it's even noticeable. I mean, you know, we've had cows. A, you know, why is it now that all of a sudden now we're worried about cow methane? I mean, uh, you know, cows have been here since the beginning, uh, and we, you know, it, it didn't seem to upset the climate too badly. Why are we getting so worried about it now? Yeah, you know, um, and and one thing I've noticed uh, is that a lot of the alarmism on this issue is tied to the creation evolution issue in both subtle and not so subtle ways. And, uh, you know, that, and, uh, what you believe about our origins really does have an effect on the way you look at this issue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was reading, and uh, according to now, – now, would you say that the Earth's temperature actually is increasing? I, I, this article I read here, it says that the temperature of the Earth has increased by 0.8 degrees Celsius, 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit, since 1880. Um, so – would you say, yeah, it is increasing, or would you say this is like a fluctuation over history, or what? Well, uh, there has been an increase in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, uh, there have been colder periods and there have been warmer periods. There was something called the medieval warm period. Uh, you know, around, I guess there was around maybe, you know, maybe 900 to 1400 AD, something like that, where it was much warmer. I mean, Greenland uh, was called Greenland for a reason. There were, there were the Viking settlements there, and then it got cold, and they, you know, those settlements disappeared. Uh, okay. Uh, My- we've also, we've all, and one of the interesting things is about those who are um, kind of alarmist on this issue, they've tended to downplay those natural variations in yeah, climate. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my, we're coming up here on a break here, uh, Dr. Hebert, but my guest today is Dr. Hebert. We're talking about climate change. We're talking about the Paris Agreement. Uh, should we be concerned that Trump pulled out of the Paris Agreement? Uh, is, is climate change something that we should be panicking about? Uh, stay with us. We're going to be right back, and we're going to continue to talk about this from a biblical creationist perspective. Stay with us. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. 
What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's Best Espresso Repair Company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at ExpressFixCoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619 619- Two 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 zero seven sixty six. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, seven thirty to five thirty, and Saturdays, seven thirty to five. Call Dan and his team at seven six zero four three nine sixteen thirty one. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. You can pick up a recording of this show as well as many other previous shows. I've got all kinds of interviews up there. Just recently interviewed uh, immigration attorney uh, Esther Valdez talking about a biblical view of immigration, another hot a hot topic that's uh, in the news and people are struggling to make decisions about, hey, how should I deal with this issue of uh, people being deported and, and families being split up and and uh, yet we want to have uh, clear borders and how do I deal with this biblically? So today we're talking about climate change and how do I view this issue biblically? Uh, should I be concerned that uh, Trump pulled out of the Paris Agreement, 196 nations had signed on to reduce carbon emissions, and yet here we are uh, pulling out of it? He says it's because uh, there's an undue financial burden put on the U.S. and uh, that it's not right that the U.S. is being uh, forced to shoulder the, the majority of this, uh, uh, you know, the obligation here. And my guest today is Dr. Jake Hebert, who's an expert on these issues. And Dr. Hebert, so um, we were, when we left off in the last segment, we were talking about how you were saying that the earth uh, does seem to be experiencing uh, an increase in temperatures over the last century. But you were, you were saying that uh, Greenland used to be green. Uh, and so are you saying that these fluctuations in temperatures are not something we should be alarmed about? And uh, how do we look at this from a creationist perspective? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we should be alarmed. I mean, uh, you've had these variations in climate over the years. You have the medieval warm period. What's interesting is that those who are, um, some of the people who I would say are alarmist on this issue, they have tried to erase the historical evidence for that warm period. Uh, they've tried to minimize it. They've tried to downplay it. Because if the Earth, if there was a warm period, and it occurred before we were in any noticeable way affecting the climate, then that really um, is a problem for their view that uh, we have to be responsible uh, for the warming. Now, yeah, that that takes that takes the issue out of our hands because basically what you're saying is it has nothing to do with our carbon footprint. 
Well, you know, there's varying views on this. I mean, there are some creation scientists who, you know, some think that we might be contributing to some degree. Uh, but most of the creation scientists, I think, who've looked at this think that if the, the natural variation is probably dominant. Um, and I definitely think it's not something we should be panicking over. Um, so, so, Dr. Heber, if, we, if we're all looking at the same data, we're all looking at the same science, uh, you've got those who are uh, proponent, proponents of reducing the carbon footprint and so forth, and then you've got uh, others who are saying, no, it's not, it's not us – um, we're all looking at the same data. Why are we coming to two, two such radically different um, positions on this issue? Well, it's really the interpretation of the data. And um, the what you believe about origins really does have a big influence on the way you interpret the data. Because a lot of the conclusions about uh, changes in climate or potential future changes in climate are coming from the way that they are interpreting uh, chemical data uh, from sediment cores from the ocean, or these ice cores from Greenland and Antarctica. So, and so they're looking. Usually, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go those ahead. Those are usually interpreted through an evolutionary old Earth framework, and I would argue that that's contributing significantly to the alarmism on this issue. Okay, so and, so break that down uh, so a layperson can understand it. When you talk about ice cores and you talked about you talked about sediment on the ocean floor, sure, sure. Um, explain that there. Okay, well, there is a quantity that they call the oxygen isotope ratio that they measure within these sediment cores. And without getting bogged down in too much detail, they think it's a climate indicator. Okay, now a they, sediment core a sediment core is where they basically drill down into the uh, ocean floor and they take a basically like a core, uh, a cutout of the sediment floor, and then they look at the different layers of sediment – and they're saying, hey, these, this sediment has settled over time, and most people from an a, a evolutionary perspective would say millions and millions of years, each layer represents millions of years, and they're looking at those different sediment levels. Is that, is that right? Uh, that's basically correct. I mean, it's not that you can even really see layering per se, but uh, the, these chemical wiggles that they measure, they think they're climate indicators, and they think that when this particular number that they measure has a really high value, that's supposed to indicate an ice age. That's supposed to be when you've got the most amount of ice on the planet. And then when there's low values of that number, this oxygen isotope ratio, those are supposed to be warmer periods where you have less ice. So they're interpreting these uh, chemical wiggles. You know, when you plot them on a graph, they look like a bunch of wiggles. Mm -hmm. They are interpreting that as a story about climate change over hundreds of thousands and even millions of years. Oh, interesting. And, if, and so that's that's what they're doing. And and there's a re you know there's a reason for that because uh, they they well, they've also concluded that there is a that there is something going on with the Earth and its motions. Uh, there's a really the the uh, ice age is another great example of climate change. And uh, creation scientists have an outstanding explanation for an ice age that just follows naturally uh, from the Genesis flood. This is work that Michael Ord has done. He's a former meteorologist for the National Weather Service. Oh, yeah. I'm, he, I'm actually interviewing he, him uh, in a couple weeks. Yes. He's yeah. done a tremendous amount of work on this. Uh, okay. But now the secular scientists have their own theories. They've got dozens of theories. None of them are very good, but there's one that's very popular right now. It's called the Milankovitch theory mm. or the astronomical theory. And uh, you see that name a lot in these discussions. Uh, Milankovitch was a Serbian scientist who did a lot of work in this area. 
but but what they've concluded is you know that they because they believe the solar system is billions of years old uh they feel free to extrapolate earth's rotational and orbital motions backwards hundreds of thousands and even millions of years and if, if you assume that you can do that uh you're going to have the tilt of the earth's axis slowly change over time uh you're going to have it pointing in a different direction and there'll be a wobble of the axis kind of like the uh, top mm. uh you will have a change in the shape of the earth's orbit and so on and so forth and they believe that as a result of those changes the way the sunlight is falling on the earth varies with season and latitude over many many thousands of years and so basically in a nutshell they think that when you have more sunlight falling on the northern high latitude ice sheets uh, that they melt and you get a warm period and then when there's a less sunlight falling on those northern high latitude ice sheets the ice sheets are able to grow and get bigger and you get an ice age and that's basically their theory in a nutshell now there's lots of problems with this theory one of which probably the most obvious problem is that these are very subtle changes in sunlight and it is very hard to see how they by themselves could actually be causing an ice age because uh, the the amount of sunlight just isn't enough to heat up the earth well, enough the to vari- the variation in the sunlight you know and so they've convinced themselves that there are other factors that can amplify these changes and this is actually leading to this idea that our climate is unstable. You know, that they've convinced themselves that the Milankovitch theory is true, but they recognize that this, uh, ch- these changes in sunlight by themselves are really too small to do much. So they've convinced themselves that our climate is unstable and that there are other factors that can amplify these changes and lead to an out-of-control or, or a big climate change just from a small uh, change mm. in the in the way the sunlight is falling. Well, this is incredible because what this does in in my mind is this is a perfect demonstration of how your premise, your axiom can dramatically impact the decisions you make in real life and and affect laws. I mean, we have 196 nations that have signed on saying climate change is a huge problem. And people say it doesn't matter whether the earth is young or old. It's not an issue. And yet this whole climate change issue is driven by the idea that the earth is millions of years old. That that is correct. And that is absolutely correct. You see, if if the Ice Age really was caused by the Genesis Flood, that is a never-to-be-repeated event. God mm. himself promised that would never happen again. That was a huge push to the climate system. Uh, and so you, in order to get an ice age, you need something like that. Uh, these little nudges coming from subtle changes in sunlight, that's just not enough to do it. And uh, you know, one thing I've done recently uh, that I'm very proud of uh, is some work on this Milankovitch theory, uh, where even you know the, the evolutionists themselves, the uniformitarians recognize uh, that there are problems with this theory. Yeah, Doctor Heber, okay. I, I hate to cut you off here. That's uh, okay. We're okay. coming up coming up on here on a break and got to give uh, my advertisers a chance to advertise, right? So <laughs> keep, sure, keep, sure, the, no problem. keep the show going. So uh, my guest today is Dr. Jake Hebert. Uh, he is an expert on climate and we're talking about climate change. Um, he's actually speaking soon at Bridge Bible Fellowship in Reseda, California, Wednesday, June 21st at 7 p.m. if you want to actually hear him in person. But if you want to check out his papers and more information about him, icr.org, you can check him out. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. 
Did you know that Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow was homeschooled, along with all four of his siblings, by his mom, Pam Tebow? You're invited to hear Pam share how to successfully educate your children with a biblical worldview at San Diego County's only homeschool conference. Hear local experts as they give you the tools you'll need to help you teach your children. Don't miss the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference Friday and Saturday, August 4th and 5th, presented by the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, featuring worship with Michael Sanchez of The Voice, well-known local Bible teacher and radio host Tom Cantor, Pat Roy, creator of the Jonathan Park Creation Adventure audio drama series, and Educate for Life's Kevin Conover. Learn more, become an exhibitor, or register online now at Register Educate for life.com that's register educate for life.com hi this is jason hall president of team home loans a branch of synergy one lending i just want to take this opportunity to thank kevin conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students his knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith it's our honor and privilege to support kevin and his show it is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through kevin's radio show and through his educate for life teaching Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm giving it all away No more hiding No more stalling I hear you call Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can pick up a recording of this show or past shows. I also want to make you aware of our first homeschool conference. We're putting it on this uh, this summer, August 4th and 5th, uh, over at the Creation and Earth History Museum. And we're going to have all kinds of speakers, one of them being Pam Tebow, Tim Tebow's mom. Uh, she homeschooled all five of her kids, and uh, she has a passion for uh, inspiring and encouraging uh, moms as they raise their children. All the way back in 1982, she was a homeschool pioneer, and we'll have all kinds of other um, speakers, including myself, talking about issues that pertain to education and making sure that your kids um, fall in love with the Lord and stay in love with the Lord. That's our goal, is for them to be able to defend the Word of God, and defend the Bible, and be able to uh, share that the love of Jesus with other people confidently, uh, knowing that what they believe is the truth. And my guest today uh, does this on a regular basis in science, Dr. Jake Hebert. He is an expert on climate and uh, works for ICR. He's a research scientist. And uh, Dr. Hebert, um, when we when we left off, we were talking about what's going on here with the difference between the two perspectives and, and how dramatic uh, what you believe about these issues um, affect laws and uh, the way you think, the decisions you make. Uh, in regards to these issues, and you were saying that um, the creationist perspective is that this is a one-time event, the flood was a one-time event which caused the Ice Age, versus uh, contrasting that with an evolutionary perspective which says we've had multiple Ice Ages and we've got to make sure we don't 
we don't do something to cause another one. Is that right? Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, they claim that there have been 50 ice ages within the last 2.6 million years. Oh, wow. And, and, and the geological evidence for that is very weak. There is strong evidence for one ice age. But the main reason they are claiming that there were 50 ice ages is because they have constructed this composite oxygen isotope signal that I was describing earlier from a whole bunch of different cores from around the ocean. And when they look at it, they see 50 cycles, 50 wiggle cycles, if you will. And so therefore, they've concluded there's 50 ice ages. Okay, now, so here's my question for you that pertains to this. When it comes to looking at the sediment on the ocean floor, because you're saying uh, they translate that into millions of years, and they say, see, you can tell by these uh, changes in the, the, the isotope level, or you look at ice cores, uh, and maybe you can explain that too for our listeners. They, they look at the ice cores and they say, trace, you, you follow the ice cores back, you, f- you follow the ocean sediment back, and you can see these changes. These indicates high and low temperatures. Mm-hmm. So what is the creationist response to that? What, why would you say, no, that's not what this indicates? So from a creationist science perspective, what do these ice core uh, uh, and, and ocean sediment levels, what do they mean from, from our perspective? Yes. Well, well, you know, the, these these variables could very well be, they, you know, they probably are climate-related or weather-related. Uh, our big problem is with the time scale. And um, as I was saying earlier, uh, the evolutionists recognize that there, there are problems with this Milankovitch Ice Age theory. But the reason they believe it is because of a paper that was published 40 years ago in the journal Science called The Pacemaker of the Ice Ages. And what these scientists did was they examined these chemical wiggles, as well as two other variables in two sediment cores from the Indian Ocean. And when they did that, they found these cycles, uh, supposedly of 100,000, 42,000, and 23,000 years, which are very close to some of these astronomical cycles. And so this was seen as a very strong evidence for the Milankovitch theory. And this paper is so important that last December, both science and nature ran articles commemorating its 40th anniversary. Interesting. Now, uh, the, the one thing I'm very proud of here is that I took a second look at that paper, and I found a major problem in it, and that is that when they were setting up their time scales for those two cores, they used a number that they themselves no longer accept as valid. Uh, wow. They changed the number, and they changed it a lot. And I went back and redid the calculations using the new number, and it significantly messes up their results. But they never went back to see what that would do to those original results. So I have published those results. They have been on the Internet since last September. So if somebody uh, wants to check that out, where, where can they take a look at that? Yes, well, there's lots of places. If you want to read the primary sources, they're at the Answers in Genesis website, uh, they have a journal called the Answers Research Journal, and if you go to Volume Nine, uh, which is the 2016, there are you have to count. There, there's three papers that I did. One was published in March, I believe. The other was in May, and the other was in September. And they explain the details of this paper. Uh, first, I showed that I could replicate the original results, um, which was important. You know, that's it's good to verify that you can do that. And then I went back and redid the, redid the calculations after taking into account that age change, and it, it messed it up. And so to me, this is scandalous. Uh, you know, they're still using this argument, uh, mm. this paper, as an argument for this Milankovitch theory. 
And even though I, th- these results have been out there for anybody to read for eight months, I have not seen a single public response uh, from the secularists on this. They, have, they haven't said one word. Now, and, what, what is the number that you were referring to that's, that they've cha- they no longer uh, abide okay. by? Okay, uh, it was something. It was the the age for the most recent flip of the Earth's magnetic field. Uh, They call it the Brunhess Maduyama magnetic reversal boundary, and uh, you know. And then we creationists, there were flips of the Earth's magnetic field. We creationists would argue that that occurred. That was associated with the Genesis flood. It was caused by the Genesis flood and may have continued for some time after. But there were dozens of these flips of the Earth's magnetic field. Now, how does that happen? How does the Earth's magnetic field flip? Well, well, one of the the thinking is is that uh, we've got different ideas, but the one that I think is most promising has to do with catastrophic plate tectonics and the idea that you had um, rapid subduction of uh, seafloor down into the the mantle, and it came into contact with a core, and when you had the relatively cold blob coming in contact with that cold outer core, uh, it set up convection, which ultimately would have led to these magnetic reversals. Mm. Uh, that's the thinking, and Russ Humphreys has done quite a bit of work on that. But, but the, the, the bottom line, though, is that they assigned an age to that magnetic reversal of 700,000 years, which is the number they used to set up their time scale for the cores. But in 1990, they proposed changing that number to 780,000 years. So that's an 80,000-year difference. Uh, they, that's really basically the accepted age right now. Some of them, however, even say that it ought to be as high as 790,000. And, of course, the greater the discrepancy between the original and the new age, the worse the agreement will be. Uh, with these, uh, the Milankovitch expectations. So the more they increase that number, the, the worse the original pacemaker results are going to be. Okay. And, uh, and so, yeah, and so, you know, and my background's in physics. I, you know, I'm not really a climatologist or meteorologist per se, but I've been involved in a couple of big research projects that are very much relevant to this issue, and that was one of them. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And for those, and, and like, yeah, go ahead. And like I said, and like I said, I mean, I think it's a scandal. I mean, th- this is an iconic paper. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really speak very well of the secular uh, clim- paleoclimatology community because mm. it means one of two things: either they were unaware that this paper made that assumption, and to be fair to them, the paper didn't explicitly say what the age was. You had to you had to go back and read another paper. It was published three years early, and that's probably the reason that a bunch of people overlooked this. Yeah, yeah. Well, my guess, but, but nevertheless, it doesn't look good. And it, what the but the worst thing would be, did they know about it and they just didn't care? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, been, it's been eight months since, since since these results have been out there. My guest, uh, uh, hold on, uh, Dr. Hebert. My guest today is Dr. Jake Hebert. We're going to be right back. We're going to continue to talk about climate change, but we're going to also talk about. Um, what is the creationist perspective? If we don't agree with the 50 ice ages, what's the explanation for the ice age from a creationist perspective, a creation science perspective? Stay with us. We're going to be right back.
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back and forth. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you're enjoying the show. You can also check us out on YouTube uh, if you want to uh, see me smiling here in the studio. Uh, today, uh, my guest, Dr. Heber, is actually calling in. And uh, we're also podcast, too. You can check us out on Facebook. I'll, I'll do some posts about this. Um, and it's such an important issue. Uh, climate change, you know, people, we're facing dramatic legislative issues because of this this issue of carbon emissions. So uh, car manufacturers, for example, are facing, uh, they, they have to do more research about their car. They have to try to lower the amount of carbon dioxide that, that cars are emitting. And um, you have coal and oil companies that are having to deal with the financial consequences of a lot of legislation regarding climate change. So these issues are a really big deal. Uh, they have practical real-world implications. And so my guest today, Dr. Jake Heber, is talking about how, um, from a biblical perspective, there's only been one ice age, and it wasn't generated by people's carbon emissions um, or, or methane from cows, right? Um, right? On the other hand, if you're coming from an evolutionary perspective and you have a secular perspective or a long-age perspective, then you're thinking, hey, um, we have something to do with uh, global warming and climate change, and therefore, uh, we need to cut down on our carbon emissions. And so- it's a very, very significant issue, especially considering Trump just recently pulled out of the uh, Paris Agreement, and uh, you have 196 nations signing on to that. Uh, so this science and uh, biblical history is very important in regards to this issue. Now, Dr. Hebert, you were saying that um, you have some articles that have been published, scientific articles that have been published that aren't uh, public knowledge yet. Is that right? 
yes, th- yes. Uh, you know, I did my papers uh, that were published in the Answers Research Journal at Answers in Genesis. But one thing I also did is I submitted two papers that have already been published in the Journal of Creation, which is the publication of Creation Ministries International. And what I really like about these papers is they show you how lay people can partially verify my results without having to do the hard math. Now, these papers, I'm hoping they will become publicly available or accessible uh, in maybe March or April of next year. They're not open access yet, Yeah. Uh, but subscribers to the Journal of Creation uh, can access those right now. But what I really like about those papers is it is possible for even high school students to partially confirm my results. And the reason for that is that uh, when they changed the, you know, they they did the hard math already, basically. They already did the the very hard math, but then they just changed the time scale. So you don't necessarily have to redo the hard math, the calculus. You just have to rescale the results to fit the new time scales. And, and it's that's fairly easy to do. And so one thing I'm excited about is that uh, I'm hoping that others will be able to see that, uh, at least partially verify these results. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and that's great because if a, if a high school kid is doing a science project and wants to be able to, you know, talk about climate change and these issues, which these issues definitely come up in high school or college, a college kid wants to, uh, you know, deal with these issues – um, then that's a valuable resource for them to be able to go to creation.com, answersingenesis.org, or, or uh, icr.org and look up the, the work you've done. That's fantastic. Right, right. So also, if you happen to be in Reseda, California, uh, Dr. Hebert is actually going to be speaking Wednesday, June 21st, 7 p.m. at the Bridge Bible Fellowship. You can uh, meet him in person and talk to him. That's a great opportunity there. Um, so, Dr. Hebert, let's talk about... Um, the the contrasting position. So somebody's listening and they're going, okay, this all sounds amazing. It all sounds great. You've really uh, done a lot of uh, poking holes into uh, the Milakovic theory, uh, also known as the astronomical theory. Um, so so what's your explanation then for those ice cores? What's your explanation for the different isotope levels in the sediment um, from a from a creationist perspective, a biblical creationist perspective? How does the flood create an ice age, and and what what alternative theory can you propose that makes sense scientifically? Well, uh, this it's not really my theory per se. It's Mike Ord's, but I can I can summarize it for you, and it's it's really brilliant. Uh, the basic idea is that during the Genesis flood, you would have had a uh, the the oceans would have been significantly warmed. Uh, we we think primarily by a lot of uh, plate motion uh, due to catastrophic plate tectonics. So, uh, so for our people yeah, listening, uh, Dr. Heber, for the people listening, so the Bible says that the, all the fountains of the deep exploded on one day, right? Right, right. So you're, are you referring to, when you say the oceans would have been heated significantly, how does that heating take place? Well, what most of us think is that uh, because of this catastrophic plate tectonics, you had a lot of seafloor that was formed extremely rapidly. Uh, if you have uh, you know, ocean floor being destroyed, going down into the mantle, new seafloor has to be created. And that, if that happened very fast, you know, when you have all this lava coming into contact or you know, molten rock coming into contact with the ocean, uh, there's going to be a lot of heat mm. given off. And so the, the thinking is, is that significantly warmed the oceans, maybe 10 or 20 degrees Celsius, 
What that does in turn, and the acronym that I use to help people remember these key points is HEAT, H-E-A-T. The H stands for hot oceans. The E stands for evaporation. You know, if you significantly warm the surface temperature of the oceans, you're going to get a lot more evaporation. Yeah. And that's going to put a lot more moisture into the atmosphere, which in turn is going to result in a lot more precipitation, including snowfall at high latitudes and on mountaintops. And so we think what happened was that you had an enormous amount of snowfall, uh, much more so than you would expect in uniformitarian thinking, uh, where it's always been relatively slow and gradual. Here you're having all this snow being dumped uh, on mountaintops and at high latitudes. And the idea is that if that snow can build up, uh, you're going to get thick ice sheets to form. And so that gives us the increased snow, but then you also have to keep the snow from melting. Uh, that's the other key. You've got to keep the snow from melting in the summer. And the A stands for aerosols. And these are little particles or droplets resulting from volcanic explosions, uh, volcanic eruptions. We think that there, there would have definitely been volcanic activity during the flood, particularly toward the latter half and afterwards. And so what's going to happen is they're going to be putting these aerosols up into the atmosphere. Those aerosols will reflect sunlight, and they will give you a cooling effect that's going to be the most pronounced during the summer and autumn months. And so that's going to keep the snow and ice from melting. Now, the aerosols fall out of the atmosphere after a couple of years, but if you keep having volcanic activity, which would be expected, you know, this is not going to all come to a screeching halt. Yeah. It's going to keep going for many years after the flood. That's going to keep... Keep, keep giving you those cool summers. And so the ice will build up. And so the T stands for time. Basically, the short time scale is what you need to make this work. And, you know, time, the evolutionists have a problem with time. Uh, you know, you would think, you know, that explanation I gave you seems fairly straightforward, and it is. Why then can't secular scientists make better use of these volcanic eruptions to give them the necessary cooling they need. Well, it's because they believe those eruptions were separated by vast amounts of time. Mm, so the aerosols so wouldn't you, do the if job. You believe, if you Exactly. If you believe in the millions of years, you believe those volcanoes had to be spaced far apart in time, and any cooling effect that you would get would be so diluted that it wouldn't do anything. Wow. Okay. So what we huh. see here is that the biblical time scale is not a problem. It's the answer. Yeah. It's the answer to help us explain the Ice Age. And there's other aspects about the Ice Age that this model can explain that the secular scientists can't. Okay, well, when uh, we come back, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about uh, more of this uh, scientific explanations that you're talking about. My guest today is Dr. Jake Hebert. He's with ICR.org, and we're talking about climate change and how the flood actually precipitated the, the Ice Age. And uh, not 50 Ice Ages, the Ice Age. So we'll be right back. the Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow was homeschooled along with all four of his siblings by his mom Pam Tebow? You're invited to hear Pam share how to successfully educate your children with a biblical worldview at San Diego County's only homeschool conference. Hear local experts as they give you the tools you'll need to help you teach your children. 
Don't miss the Educate for Life Homeschool Conference Friday and Saturday, August 4th and 5th, presented by the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, featuring worship with Michael Sanchez of The Voice, well-known local Bible teacher and radio host Tom Cantor, Pat Roy, creator of the Jonathan Park Creation Adventure audio drama series, and Educate for Life's Kevin Conover. Learn more, become an exhibitor, or register online now at Register Educate for life.com that's register educate for life.com for 36 years fast lane kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about san diego fast lane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy hobie cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system not paddles keeping your hands free as you fish you no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great san diego fishing call or come in for your no charge demo ride 619-222-0766 fastlanesailing.com at dana landing arena across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. I will cast my cares on you. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on our last segment here. I just wanted to uh, make you aware, August 4th and 5th coming up here, we have our first homeschool conference. Uh, Pam Tebow, the mother of Tim Tebow, is uh, one of our speakers. She is uh, homeschooled all five of her kids um, back in 1982 when homeschooling was just getting started. And our goal is really to help you uh, in your efforts to homeschool. Homeschooling is growing by leaps and bounds. There's numerous people that are joining the homeschool movement. And um, just learning how to effectively educate your children uh, so that they are prepared to uh, not only get a good career, but also uh, maintain their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and um, establish a strong biblical faith. My guest today is Dr. Jake Hebert from ICR, and they have all kinds of materials that um, would supplement your education and help you uh, help your kids to understand uh, creation science and uh, science in light of the Bible. Um, and what I found is that the more I look at science biblically, the more um, it connects and makes sense. And that's what we're talking about right now is the climate and the flood and how that all works together. So, Dr. Hebert, um, can you continue where you left off just explaining, um, you know, when you look at two different theories about how something happened, right? Uh, what I understand is that we want to go with a theory that has the most explanatory power if we're looking as an unbiased, objective uh, you know, scientifically minded person. And so what, what can you tell our listeners about um, why you've decided the biblical flood is the answer to the ice age versus, you know, long ages? What science sure. supports your perspective? Well, uh, I think, uh, first of all, there's overwhelming evidence for the flood itself. Uh, you know, you've got uh, these water deposited rocks all over the world, uh, you have entombed within those rocks. You've got billions of fossils. What do you mean uh, you by have, water deposited rocks? Explain well, that. Well, these are rocks. These are rocks where that are formed when material drops out of water. 
Um, and, you know, and so, so you have material that's being transported by running water, mm. and as the water slows down, you, it'll, it can drop out. Now, how do you so, know that they're? How do you know they're water deposited rocks? Oh well, yeah, that's that's really not controversial. I mean, even uh, evolution. I mean, you know, you look at the material. Uh, uh, there's. Um, well, we've, they've done flume experiments, things like that. I mean, I, it's not controversial. I, I mean, was watching. Evol- I was watching a, a show on this. It was actually on Nova, and they called them erratics. And they said the reason they knew it was from a flood was because the boulder was composed of a completely different material than what it was sitting on. And they said this had to be carried here by a, by some sort of a flood. Is that right? Uh. That that could be, although sometimes when they talk about erratics, they're actually talking about things that are ice age deposits. Oh, where, okay. Well, like you have an, a glacier and something, a boulder gets, in, it's moving along with the ice and then the ice melts or something like that. Mm. But 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 getting back to um, you know the the, the, the you know just the, the even the evolutionists admit most of these sedimentary rocks are water deposited. Okay. Now they try to argue. That these are local floods or whatever, or you know they can't be flood deposits for whatever reasons. But mo- most of them, I mean, even they acknowledge that most of these are water deposited. Mm. So that's that's one reason I think uh, that this is a better explanation. Another reason has to do with the woolly mammoths, and this is something else that Michael Ord figured out. Uh, the, the woolly mammoths are an enigma to evolutionary scientists for a couple of reasons. First. Uh, there's good, strong evidence that they were living in Siberia by the millions during the Ice Age. Mm. Now, the reason that's a problem is that winters in Siberia are extremely cold. Uh, I mean, uh, some of the coldest temperatures in the northern hemisphere have been recorded there. And it is hard to see how even the woolly mammoths could withstand that. Uh, and even if they could, where are they going to get food and water? I mean, mm-hmm. Siberia today, you know, you've got, it, it's just not, it's, it, it's not a place that you would expect mammoths to be able to survive. And, and some people might say, oh, well, maybe they migrated. Well, that's problematic, too, for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, the, the gestation time for a mammoth is long enough that it doesn't seem like it would be reasonable for them to go back and forth between Siberia and, and warmer periods. Yeah. So, so the, but, but here, the, 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 here, the way the creation model explains that has to do with the hot oceans. Uh, you know, the, what we think happened was that after the flood, uh, there, was, there were much warmer oceans, and we think there was no Arctic sea ice immediately after the flood. Uh, we think the Arctic sea ice formed at the end of the Ice Age when all this ice was melting and all this meltwater went out onto the Arctic, and then it, then it froze, and then you got the sea ice. Well, because the Arctic sea ice was not there, you have this, you have this a warm ocean next to Siberia, and you have a warm, moist air that's moderating the climate. And so prior to that, uh, before the sea ice was formed, the climate would have been more temperate. It, w- it was probably still cold, but it was nowhere near as cold as it is now. And so that is a very simple, straightforward explanation for how the mammoths could have lived and thrived in Siberia. Mm. Um, and you know, and and so uh, the, the the reason the evolutionists can't use that argument is quite simple. They believe, based on their understanding of Earth history, that that Arctic sea ice was there uh, first present like millions of years ago. Now, some of them claim, well, maybe the Arctic ice melted, but the bottom line is that they believe that by the time the mammoths were there, 
that Arctic sea ice was already there. And so they can't use that simple explanation to explain how it would have been more tolerable for the mammoths. And so, again, we see that their belief in millions of years is tripping them up mm. and making it hard for them to explain that. And, and, so, and of course, the extinction of the woolly mammoths, too, um, that, I think, is something that makes sense in light of the, the, the uh, creation Ice Age model. Um, basically, we think that at the end of the Ice Age, uh, there were strong winds, uh, colder temperatures, which is maybe a little counterintuitive, but we think they were overcome by those cold temperatures, and in a lot of cases, they were buried in massive dust storms. And when we look at these uh, mammoth carcasses that they, we find, they are actually found entombed in a lot of cases in these big mounds or hills of windblown silt. And so that's consistent uh, with this explanation for... Uh, that's very interesting. Huh. And if for those who would like to read more about it, Mike Ord has done, he, there's a book called Frozen in Time, mm. which deals with this specifically. Uh, there's also a technical article at creation.com that he wrote on the extinction of the woolly mammoths. Uh, and there were some early ideas about that that we now think weren't quite right. Okay. Uh, you know, there was sort of a sort of urban legend that there was a dramatic 100 degree Fahrenheit temperature drop and they were snap frozen. Uh, we don't think that's the case. Uh, some people, there were even creationists who said that earlier, but we, we, I think Mike's explanation is really the better one. That's great. And, well, uh, we, we, Dr. Hebert, we're almost out of time here. I mean, we got about a minute and 15 seconds. Can you explain real quick, um, what is the creationist explanation for the ice cores? Uh, okay. Well, obviously, all of that ice was deposited after the flood. We think about half of it if you're looking at depth, was probably during the Ice Age. And the bottom line is that most of that ice, uh, you know, you would have had enormous amounts of snowfall during the Ice Age, so that ice is going to accumulate quickly. And now the evolutionists will try to tell you that they've uh, counted individual annual layers of ice, uh, you know, maybe 100,000 years or even more than that, but when you look at the details of their dating methods, they're not very convincing. Mm. And uh, the most common method of dating the ice cores are models, theoretical age date models, which assume millions of years. Yeah, so, they're, so it's, it's circular, not, circular reasoning, it, essentially. It, it is circular, yeah. and, and, and now they, they have a rebuttal to that. They claim the Greenland cores you can actually count. But it turns out when you look at the details, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not airtight by any means. And we've actually got articles at ICR.org that explain in detail yeah. why, why the ice cores do not prove millions of years. Well, so Dr. Hebert, uh, we, are, we are out of time here, so very sadly, because there's, this is such an interesting subject. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, yes. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Check him out. Uh, ICR.org, creation.com, answersingenesis.org. All kinds of important information there. Um, what you believe about reality affects the decisions you make in the present. And uh, that's why climate change is such a big issue. So uh, go to the Bible. It's the truth. Uh, build your life upon it. You can't lose if you do. God bless you. I hope you have a fantastic Saturday. Hope to see you August 4th and 5th at the Homeschool Conference here in San Diego, California. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email KevCon at EducateForLife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at EducateForLife.com. 
You will always be much more to me.